So, Kirk Goldsberry, when did you first realize that something very different was happening in the NBA this season? I first realized that on January 2nd. Donovan Mitchell zigzags inside, blows it up and blows it in. 52 now for Mitchell. <laughs> My goodness, Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell had one of the most crazy box scores I've ever seen, Pablo. Levert off the lung. Mitchell wants it. He gets it. Mitchell steps back. Down. He scored 71 points and he added 10 assists. Mitchell to the basket. <laughs> Donovan Mitchell show. What a night. Wow. Epic. All told, he created 99 points for the Cavs. That's the second highest total all time. Mitchell looks for 70. <laughs> a sight to behold. <laughs> For me, it was the quintessential example of one of the dominant trends of a season where superstars putting up crazy box score stats. Yes. Whether you're talking about Luka Doncic. Luka Doncic scored 60 points. Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid, 59 points. Giannis Antetokounmpo. Giannis Antetokounmpo delivers 55 points. Jason Tatum. Tatum, got it. 51. Damian Lillard. Gets it to go. Damian Lillard now has 50. 40 is the new 30. 50 is the new 40. <laughs> Middle-aged folks have been using these sags for decades, but now yes. it's the NBA's turn. We're just seeing more wild stat lines than ever before. But the big question, Pablo, is why? Why is this happening this season? This NBA season is a spectacular and truly philosophical riddle because there have been so many absurd stat lines by now, literally multiple times a week, that we have to wonder if these games are genuinely impressive or objectively inflated, if they are symptoms of this unprecedented youth movement or just a sadly predictable midlife crisis. You gotta figure out if an all-time performance should still be considered all-time if it seems to happen, like, all the time now. So today, we ask Professor Kirk Goldsberry, the former Vice President for Strategic Research with the San Antonio Spurs, to explain the hidden forces reshaping the basketball universe and whose era this really is. I'm Pablo Torre. It's Wednesday, January 18th. And this is ESPN Daily. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home some huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. 
So, Kirk Goldsberry, I bring you on because you're a man who is fluent in both the study of the NBA from the inside. You worked, obviously, in the front office of the Spurs. Also from the outside, though, as a nerd. And just, I want to understand, like, what's actually happening this season, big picture from the macro perspective. What are the numbers telling us? Yeah, the headline from the nerd perspective is offensive efficiency is off the charts. We're starting to see the average possession for an offensive team produce more points on average than ever before. Um, Defense is harder. Offense is smarter. Um, Virtually everybody who's getting playing time in the modern NBA can dribble, pass, and shoot. Skills in the NBA have never been so common or so elite. And that's manifesting in higher scores, both for teams, uh, both at the possession level, but obviously for these individual superstars as well. But Kirk, you're also literally a cartographer. You're a professor of geography. And so I want to sort of paint the picture. I want to trace the mountain range of scoring just basic points per game by season over time in the NBA. What is that historical sort of evolution? What are the contours of it look like? Yeah, well, interestingly, offense was very prolific early in the NBA's history. And and, and in the 60s, we saw a lot of scoring, well over 100 points a game, Pablo. But in what we would call sort of the modern NBA, maybe starting with Magic Johnson and Larry Bird in 1979 and continuing through those Jordan years of the 90s, you know, scoring dipped below 100 points per game in in the Jordan era. And since that valley... We've been on this ascent from the 2000s through the 2010s. The rise of the three-point shot in the analytics era has now brought us back to some of the highest average scoring nights on the team level that we've seen in NBA history in 2023. Well, you mentioned Michael Jordan and the 96 Bulls, obviously, who won 72 games, who embodied really what many people still point to as peak NBA, arguably the greatest team ever. But what you're saying here is that the sheer number of points you would see in that era in comparison to this one, it's basically like falling off a cliff. The 72-win Bulls scored a league-high 105 points per game that season, Pablo. But the Miami Heat this year are currently averaging the lowest point total in league, and they're scoring 108. (laughs) So even the worst (laughs) offense this year in terms of points per game is scoring at a higher clip per game than than Jordan's best team, the 95-96 Bulls. What we're seeing in 2023 is the highest points per game we've seen in the NBA for a team since 1969. So what we're basically establishing here is that the NBA has never seen this many points, at least not since, yeah, we literally put a man on the moon. (laughs) (laughs) It's been a while. It's been a while. But speaking of uh, space and the universe, this does all figure in to the story here, Kirk, as I understand it, because the, the notion that we're going to talk about Copernicus, about Galileo here, is probably startling to some non-nerds, but I can't stop thinking about the one term du jour that sort of helps explain where we are now. And yes, it goes back to the 16th century in astronomy. So what is this word? The word of the year in the NBA, Pablo, is heliocentric, which is a fancy astronomical term, as you've laid out. But if you want a simple version, it's the Ivy League word for being a ball hog, Pablo. (laughs) 
<laughs> it is. It is being the sun at the center of the solar system. It is being the thing around which everything revolves. It is being the asshole who won't stop <laughs> shooting. That's right. It is the guy you hate playing pickup basketball with. But now that is the en vogue concept and the reason we have this term because that really explains some of the crazy stats we're seeing this season. Yeah, so explain what this is in a basketball sense because, again, you've worked in front offices, you've mapped the court, and so what does it look like on a heliocentric offensive possession? A heliocentric offensive style really just involves a superstar controlling the steering wheel at a higher percentage than we've seen before. Now, Michael Jordan invented a style of basketball many people would call hero ball that yes. featured a lot of isolations, tons of unassisted jumpers. Uh, and after he left, he was great enough to make that work. But after he retired, the NBA, that Death Valley where scoring really dipped, a lot of guys tried to replicate Jordan's style, but they weren't good enough. Mm. And we saw a lot of ugly, what was was branded hero ball. Uh, and that never really went away. What we're seeing now is a smarter version of that, where it's it, it didn't go away. It just went to MIT. It got a degree <laughs> in analytics, and it rebranded as heliocentrism. It's still perimeter players isolating. They're just better at it. They've learned to be more efficient. And that's another word that's crept into our discourse. Of course. Efficiency is a key character here. But blending that hero ball plus efficiency equals heliocentrism. So before, after Jordan... Uh, people who wanted to be that superhero but were not nearly as good would, you know, chuck the ball in an inefficient way at the rim. Not great. Actually, just awful. I remember those days in the 90s, too. But now it's not that way, right? Like, they're, I mean, we should mention the sidekicks, and they truly are more than ever before. Like, sidekicks in a sense, but there are sidekicks who seem to have their own very clear idea of what their job is. Yeah, I love that. I think the sidekick is a perfect way to describe these sort of key characters that are decorating the edges of the basketball court virtually every trip up and down in an NBA game. These role players, these five-out offenses, Pablo, meaning all five players are outside of the three-point line. The off-ball guys are spaced out as far as they can be, and they're also threatening, even when they don't have the ball, to shoot three-point shots. Uh, and so, like, if you think of the Mavericks, Luca has the ball, his four teammates are spaced out. Mm. That is a contemporary offense. Luca reads the defense, makes the play sometimes for himself, sometimes for one of those shooters. But that's sort of what we're seeing uh, in the modern version of hero ball. A lot of Luca, a lot of playmaking for his teammates. But the, those role players, those sidekicks that can shoot threes, huge reason we're seeing what we're seeing. Yeah, and it's worth clarifying, too, that Luca in that, like, 60-point triple-double, which had literally never happened before until this season. I mean, this, this is one of the most impressive games that I've ever seen anybody play. 10 assists, 21 rebounds, 47 minutes played, and now 60 points for the first time in Mavericks history. He had the assists. It's not as if, to be fair to him, he's only shooting, but it is as if, everyone else is waiting for him to decide what to do. 
Yeah, and I describe this as like a, a 10-year-old playing a video game and, 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 and sort of uncovering a very successful tactic and just going to the well over and <laughs> spamming over. Spamming it, and I believe, over. is the term du jour in video games. Yeah, spamming. And that's what the Mavericks are doing. That's what D'Antoni did in Houston with James Harden. It's not particularly new, but it is smarter and it looks a little bit different. But yeah, if you have Luka Doncic on your team, the best thing to do is give him the ball and let him do his thing. Or as they say, let him cook. But why is the cooking more efficient now? Like what about the way the five out system is structured is making this just obviously actually not a thing to yell at the kid to stop doing, but a thing to encourage him to keep doing? <laughs> because the role, the average role player's jump shot is wildly more efficient itself. Even when it happens or doesn't happen, it's more efficient. So if I'm Maxi Kleber or Tim Hardaway Jr. and I'm just standing 25 feet from the basket, I am threatening the defense even when I don't have the ball. That allows Luka, Luka Doncic, my, my teammate, to attack an unattended center of the basketball court, which makes his drives and his pick and roll actions even more dangerous and more efficient. Uh, so it's the combination of thinning out the defense from the interior uh, with the, the revelations that setting high screens and running pick and rolls with these incredible players over and over again sets you up on third base to start a possession. So it's, it's hyper-efficient superstars running great pick and roll actions surrounded by deadly sidekick shooters spacing out the floor. So I don't like to throw our guests under the bus when they make a little stumble, but I did hear you almost say Luca Harden. <laughs> and I feel like this subliminal reveal, Kirk, is it's appropriate. So it's so appropriate because the peak of this, the model is not Jordan, right? The model for what Luca and everyone else here is doing heliocentrifically, if that's in fact the adverb version of that, is, <laughs> is, is the guy you almost said. Yeah, Luca Harden is this character <laughs> that should exist but doesn't exist. Uh, but yes, I think you could trace this through Michael Jordan, through Allen Iverson, through Kobe Bryant. Um, but what Mike D'Antoni was able to do in those incredible offenses in Phoenix, starting with Steve Nash, was unlock a ball-dominant player to harvest-efficient offense in really smart ways. And when he mm. got to Houston, the main character was Harden. Uh, and Daryl Morey, the analytics genius, is, is helping sort of steer the ship. And they came up with sort of a template that no player in history had used but now is at the heart and soul of Luka Doncic, who at 23 years old, Pablo, has already logged four of the top 20 highest usage seasons we've ever seen. So it is fair to compare Jesus. Luka to Harden. They are cut from the same cloth. And without James Harden, I'm not sure Luka would be playing this way. And Daryl Morey, old friend of the show, yeah, he is a guy who loves spamming a play over and over again until it begins to feel sort of like a cheat code, right? And this is... This is seemingly what every other, I mean, the NBA is so hyper-competitive. It's seemingly what every other front office had to contemplate is, wait a minute, what should we be doing? And so now, Kirk, how would you describe how often other teams are doing this? More often than ever. I think 10 years ago, you know, that pre-Mori uh, Rockets era, three NBA players had a usage rate of 30 or above. That was Kobe Bryant, Russell Westbrook, and Carmelo Anthony. Legendary scorers high usage guys. This year, we have 15 of those guys. Everybody from Mitchell, Paul George, Luka Doncic, Joel Embiid. Um, so that concept of spamming a play or spamming a superstar 
Yes. Might be more, might, might be a better description. Fair. That is one of the things that analytics and Mori and all of this has, has wrought. We're seeing more concentrated offense around the league's best players. You know, it's also interesting to me, having now canvassed the NBA nerd community a bit in preparation for this show, that the statistical bar, a so-called heliocentric player needs to reach, like the number of possessions he needs to use to qualify as a star around which all things rotate. That bar, that standard is also just not unanimously defined at this point, because it also seems to come down to how philosophically shameless a team is, right? About just giving that one guy the ball over and over and over again, which is more of a stylistic standard. And by that stylistic standard, we are living, it feels like, more than ever before, yes, in the age of James Harden. Yeah, I think James, along with Stephen Curry and LeBron James, are are the three individuals that I would say sort of crafted what we're seeing with this modern NBA. Ball-dominant players that are, are very efficient. You know, Stefan deserves a lot of credit for yes. just saying, hey, if I can dribble into a three-point shot that goes in 40% of the time, <laughs> I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. And he's on pace to, to average five threes per game for, I think, the fifth time in his career. Nobody's ever done that before. So when we think of the rise of the three and that perimeter efficiency, you have to include Stefan. But in terms of that heliocentric thing, I think that is James Harden, Mike D'Antoni, Daryl Morey, that Houston era will always look back at as being very influential in the rise of what we're calling heliocentric play right now. So, Kirk, it does feel then like we should probably ask whether that heliocentric style, this philosophy, is actually, you know, a good idea after the break. Delicious, meat, nutritious. In the snack that packs a real protein punch, wonderful pistachios, one of the highest protein nuts out there. Each one-ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. Trust me, I've been eating them like there's no tomorrow all week. Wonderful pistachios also come in a variety of flavors and sizes, perfect for enjoying with your family and friends or taking them with you on the go. And you, like me, are on the go a lot taking the kids to school, hopping from meeting to meeting, shopping for groceries, whatever it may be. Well, the good news is not only are Wonderful Pistachios a complete protein providing all nine essential amino acids, they're also great for all your adventures. So whether you're a pistachio purist who loves cracking open every nut or you prefer the convenience of no-shells pistachios, Wonderful Pistachios has got you covered. Grab Wonderful Pistachios and elevate your snack game today. Visit WonderfulPistachios.com to learn more. Vivid Seats wants to get you to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part? Each transaction is a step toward a free 11th ticket with Vivid Seats rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As the official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code DAILY. That's code DAILY. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live. So, Kirk, we just established that, yes, along 
With Steph and LeBron, James Harden is this name that is so much more influential than most people probably realize. And I feel like those same people may now be yelling at their cell phones, trying to remind the two of us that James Harden is also quite infamous for choking massively pretty much every (laughs) single time he enters the postseason. And so I just want to ask you to play the role of, I suppose, the Inquisition here. Give me the case against heliocentrism. For me, Pablo, and for a lot of other basketball observers, the case against Hardenism is the playoffs because this guy has never gotten to the highest level of of superstar status, which is like a finals MVP. He's never done it. There's plenty of examples of him breaking down in the playoffs. And let me give you a very good firsthand example. When I was a a member of the Spurs front office, we faced Harden in the playoffs and beat him and frustrated him for a simple reason. In the regular season, Greg Popovich and the coaches don't really have time to tailor tactics and schemes very much. But in the playoffs, they do. In 2017, we spent literally hundreds of hours examining Horton's tendencies. And when people like Pop, Becky Hammond, Ime Adoka, and our front office can do that to stop one player, it's much more likely to be effective. In that series in 2017, we focused really on his ability to draw three-point shooting fouls uh, and get to the line. He had set the record in that category. Yeah. I remember sending a memo to the coaches that year, a memo that we wouldn't send in the regular season about that very specific thing. They watched the film. They changed our pick-and-roll defense, and we took that weapon away from James Harden. Houston Spurs up 18. It's been their defense putting on a clinic. And James Harden, too passive, too tentative, not aggressive. Careless basketball creating high percentage offense for the Spurs. James Harden with just one field goal attempt thus far. He's got to be better to give this team a chance to win. We held him to one three-point shooting foul in that six-game series, and we Mm. sent him home. The Rockets' season going up in flames here tonight. A magnificent season ends in a rough way. To me, the danger of this is it's easier to game plan against. And there's only a very few people in NBA history, and there are some, that can dominate the ball that much and win the finals. Michael Jordan obviously comes to mind. Uh, Bill Russell, Will Chamberlain, some of these high usage guys can. uh, But James Harden just hasn't been able to do that. And I think it's fair to question whether somebody like Luka Doncic can do that against a great defense. No, it makes all the sense in the world that when you can actually isolate the most important variable, because that variable is already isolating himself, that it gets easier to scheme up a defense to stop him. And this is something actually that no less than Kobe Bryant, by the way, himself, a ball hockey-ish hero ball, loves isolation kind of superstar. Um, Something that he spoke about when he was asked about James Harden's heliocentrism back in 2019. I think he, I'm not a fan of in terms of winning championships. I don't think that style is ever going to win championships. But at the same time, you have to keep your team's head above water to win games. If you take one player, you put him at the top of the key, or you put him on the wing, and you're running screen rolls, you're always in front of the defense. Mm-hmm. The defense can key on that, mm-hmm. particularly in the playoffs. And that's easy, easy to guard. defend. Yeah. It's easy to defend. Now, what he's doing is absolutely remarkable, though. And so after hearing that, Kirk, I am wondering who else might share a similar critique. And you mentioned... Of course, working for the Spurs. You mentioned working for your old boss, Greg Popovich. 
And Pop does tend to be outspoken on these sorts of things. So how does the winningest coach in NBA history, Greg Popovich, feel about this sort of a trend now at age 73? How do the older generations feel about the aesthetics of their game in general? The old heads, and I'd put myself in that category, certainly Coach Pop in that category, are rolling their eye. I've said before, uh, I'm, I'm just hoping that the league ends up with a, a four-point shot or a five-point shot so we can make it a real circus. And it'll be a different sport. It won't even be basketball. It'll just be a bunch of crap. And when people compare, like, Lucas scoring numbers to Jordan as a proxy for who's better than who, I think they leave out the inconvenient truth that the game has changed drastically. You can't touch perimeter players now. Offenses are wide open. Games are faster. No wonder Luka put up 60, 20, and 10 against the Knicks. Jordan never did that. Well, there's a great quote from my friend Chris Herring's book called Blood in the Garden. Yes. uh, About the 90s Knicks, where Horace Grant says, when I used to walk into the garden to play the Knicks, I didn't know if we were going to win, but I always knew we were going to bleed. Luka Doncic (laughs) isn't bleeding when he comes out of Madison Square Garden in 2023. NBA basketball hasn't gotten easier, but it's got less bloody. People like Greg Popovich have watched that happen. And the combination of the current skill levels and smarter tactics, Pop himself last week in New York said that defense has gotten a lot harder. For sure, it's much more difficult to play defense these days with so many people that can shoot threes. The quantity is massive and they come pretty quickly. So people are going to score. That's just the way it is. I'm not sure he hates it, but I do think he, as somebody who's witnessed it from from the front row uh, and been a part of that, sort of has an appreciation for how much the game is different and the stats have changed as a result. But like the the things that are responsible, that are acting in concert to change the climate of the NBA. Uh, I'm mixing so many just planetary metaphors here, but you get my oh, drift. I like it. Drift is like a planetary metaphor, I guess. Um, but, what's, <laughs> but what are the things that you point to and say, this is why we're here now? Well, the, the, the cool thing about this conversation is it is a plethora of factors. It's a, a constellation of factors. Mm. It's the rise of the three, which I famously have written more than anybody cares to read about. It's smarter <laughs> offensive designs. But you're right. It's faster-paced basketball. It's everybody in the NBA is more skilled than ever before. It's everybody is smarter than ever before. We've taken away the dumb shots. We play more transition offense. Um, and, you know, it's this litany of things that all add up to we're just smarter and better at putting the ball in the hoop than we've ever been. That's where it starts. We're smarter and better at that. Yeah, Kirk, we've talked to you a lot on this show about pace and space, right? About three-pointers dominating this phase of basketball and also how much quicker these games are. Um, Again, yes, a, a product of understanding, hey, when you get more possessions, you can shoot more shots and you get more possessions by playing faster. I think I have a pretty good handle on all of that. But the skill and the dumb shot thing, (laughs) 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 which I want to move from like uh, your pure American Idol uh, aesthetic judgment to like uh, a a real analysis here. Like what is happening there? Yeah, there's there's less unskilled players in the NBA. There used to be like giant plotting bigs that really just took up space and grabbed rebounds and pushed guys around block shots. Starting with the heat that LeBron led in, in the early 2010s where we had Shane Battier at the four, Chris Bosh at the five. We started to see lineups, Pablo, where everybody could kind of do everything. 
Uh, and that is a major factor. The ball yeah. just finds a good basketball player wherever it lands. Uh, and the rise of the analytics era has has also resulted in fewer dumb plays and dumb shots. So the ball finds a very talented person, and that person knows what to do. They know where to shoot, where not to shoot, what pass to make, what pass not to make. So we're seeing fewer dumb shots and dumb plays from hyper-skilled lineups. We don't take mid-rangers anymore, and the players that do take them find themselves out of the league unless they're Kevin Durant or unless they're Chris Paul, right. uh, guys who can DeMar make DeRozan. them at 50, DeMar DeRozan, guys who can make these shots at Jordan-esque levels. But just 15 years ago, there were guys like Josh Smith who would shoot a lot of these. Those guys uh, yes. now get released. <laughs> they get they get cut. And and to to bring one of the most sacred players of the 21st century into the conversation, Allen Iverson, one of my favorite players growing up. Same. He couldn't he couldn't shoot though a lot of the shots when I picture yeah. Allen playing, he's playing his ass off, but he's shooting a lot of mid range jumpers. Those exact kinds of shots are frowned upon at the level that even Allen was making them at. Uh, so we're just. We're just not accepting of those lower return on investment shots. I was about to wax poetic on uh, and nostalgic on Allen Iverson, but then I just realized that you turned Josh Smith into Pluto. <laughs> no longer a planet, Josh. No I apologize. Oh, man. <laughs> but that's how fast this stuff has changed. And so as this game moves on and we are, we are watching it, we are, we are becoming numb to it at a rate that maybe is appropriate for human nature, but is still jarring as a guy who tries to appreciate basketball history, Kirk. What do you make of it as a, as a fan now on top of, yeah, the guy who analyzes the game? Yeah, I think one of the things we love to do in, in sports discourse is compare apples to apples, the careers of somebody like Michael Jordan and, and, and James Harden and Luka Doncic. And one of the things I take away is like the numbers aren't the same anymore. You can't sort of look at like a Roger Maris 61 and compare that to an Aaron Judge in basketball right now because the game is just so vastly different as people like Greg Popovich have pointed out that it's it's almost like a different sport if you watch basketball in 2023 yes. versus 1993. Um, so one of the things is just like the inability to sort of connect the dots between eras or compare them at least in that baseball numerical way uh, that we love to do. It's just inflation is real. Uh, and these stats are easier to achieve right now, uh, with all due respect, than they were in, in the depths of the physical eras of the 80s and 90s in pro basketball. And so as we look and marvel at Donovan Mitchell and Luka and Giannis and Clay and everyone else who's going to score 60 between now and the time we publish this episode, <laughs> can you imagine Pop, Greg Popovich, observing this and himself, yeah, like going heliocentric finally? You know, I wouldn't rule it out because to Pop's great credit, if you remember how they won in the first sort of military era of the Spurs with the, with David Robinson mm. and, and the physicality of Tim Duncan and Dave, and then the 2014 team, which moved the ball and played these beautiful perimeter yeah, style. Manu, I wouldn't, Tony, yeah. <laughs> Manu, Tony, the ball flying around, finding open shooters. Uh, he's been part of this. He'll follow whatever the smart strategy is. But as someone who has had the privilege of spending time with Coach Popovich and dining and drinking wine with Coach Popovich, it would surprise me, Pablo. He's much more likely to go Pino-centric than heliocentric. (laughs) 
Kirk Goldsberry, thank you for, uh, as always, being in our orbit. Thank you, my guy. I'm Pablo Torre. This has been ESPN Daily, and I'll talk to you tomorrow.